This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily and sometimes more than daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Andrews and I'm joined by Katie Bowles and James Forsyth. So at Katie's request, we're going to start with some breaking news this morning. Robert Buckland has endorsed Rishi Sunak, perhaps one of the biggest political upsets of all time. Katie, tell us how we've come to this point. It's been a wild ride. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Robert Buckland endorsed Rishi Sunak the first time, uh, which was in the summer during the Tory leadership contest. And then it became clear quite quickly that Liz Truss was gaining some momentum. Uh, Membership polling was suggesting that she might be victorious. And there were some rumours that Robert Buckland might switch and there could be switches from the Truss camp. Then there was a bit of a campaign disaster for Liz Truss the day of the regional pay boards and we heard the switches were standing down. Um, and then a few, you know, days, a week or so on, when things, uh, you know, that were more solid for Liz Truss, we had the news that Robert Buckland was switching his support to Liz Truss, and he um, a defector, a defector, and he he won a cabinet role. So, I think, in all seriousness, that was sat here this morning when it <laughs> looks as though there could be a coronation of Rishi Sunak, taking someone who perhaps often works at what's quite good for their career opportunities, endorsing Rishi Sunak does suggest Rishi Sunak's looking pretty sure from at least his perspective of the parliamentary party mm-hmm. as the very likely next prime minister. And James, according to the most recent numbers, Rishi Sunak um, enjoys the support of over half of the Tories in parliament uh, who have publicly come out to back him. Are we about to see a Rishi Sunak prime minister? So according to the spectators, James Hill, Rishi Sunak now, as you say, has over the 50% of the parliamentary party. I think that... It is you know, the, the argument about Boris Johnson was it was just very difficult to lead if a majority of your MPs wanted somebody else. I mean, that applies to, to anybody. Not that This was not a unique thing for him. I also think that if it went to the membership, Rishi Sunak versus Penny Morden, I think Rishi Sunak would, would win that contest in, in these current times with the, the foremost importance of the economy and with the clear support of a majority of the parliamentary party. So I think we wait to see whether Penny Morden continues on to two o'clock. Her campaign are, are saying that they're, that they're going to. They think they can get the numbers. But right now, it looks like the most likely result is that Rishi Sunak, who I should say I've known for years, is likely to kind of end up winning this contest. Mm. Katie, as of about an hour ago, Penny Morden was still tweeting out polls, um, very sleek graphics, suggesting, you know, that she would be the most trusted for a fresh start. That's a direct quote. No signs yet of her standing down. No, we're recording just after 10, and at 10 a.m., uh, you know, a campaign spokesperson uh, sent uh, me and other journalists a message saying, you know, official official comment, Penny is speaking to colleagues from across the party. She's getting the numbers, and she's in it to win it. And adding why they believe uh, she will go all the way. It's been quite interesting because this morning you've had some of her supporters not so different to Boris Johnson's supporters saying, oh, we've definitely got the numbers, we've got the 100. It's just you can't see publicly who they are. And it's quite different than the official number of publicly supportive MPs. Um, But this comment appears to suggest that actually the campaign don't think they're there yet. They think they've got some progress. Now, there are clearly enough... MPs who are yet to back someone, so that's around 100. So there are about 100 MPs who are yet to back anyone, and you also have the Boris Johnson backers. So there is, logically, 
a pool of rich Penny Morden can try and get some support. And there have been a handful of Boris backers this morning. If you look at Michael Fabrican, John Redwood, others coming out, Mark Jenkinson, and saying this needs to go to the membership ultimately arguing that this needs to be a contest you might get more of that but I think probably more significant is the fact that very soon after uh, Boris Johnson dropped out Nadim Zahori who isn't exactly Robert Buckland but has I think has least developed a reputation for interesting political judgment he's been on his own journey <laughs> a real journey um mm-hmm. he quickly came out in favor of Rishi Sunak but also James Dudridge who was running Boris Johnson's campaign this time around in terms of the parliamentary aspect came out for Rishi Sunak. You have Simon Clark this morning coming out for Rishi Sunak, another Boris backer, and Priti Patel, a Boris backer, coming out for Rishi Sunak. So I think that while there are some Boris Johnson backers, Christopher Chope, who are angry and saying that we need a general election now, and there are also others saying this has to go to the membership, it feels as though there is a big effort from the more senior members in the Boris camp to try and say, now is the time for unity, not to make this a, you know another chapter of psychodrama. I thought the James Dudridge decision last night was important because given the, just the sheer logistics of going from the 20-odd supporters Penny Morden was on to 100, she, I think, was going to need active help from the people who had run the Boris Johnson campaign to get there. Given the time constraints, given that you only have until you know, two o'clock today. And I thought the fact that James Dudridge was straight out the door to say, in response to Rishi Sunak's tweet, paying tribute to Boris Johnson, to say, no, I'm, I'm now backing Rishi Sunak. I thought that was that showed the scale of a challenge that Penny Morden faces to get to 100, because she's not going to inherit the institutional architecture of the Johnson campaign. And that, that just makes it, given the time constraints, that much harder. Mm. Well, this seems to be a a repeating theme in the sense that Penny Mordaunt was reported to tell Boris Johnson a few days ago that if she dropped out, a lot of her supporters would go to Rishi Sunak. He seems to be either the first or second choice, but rarely the third. We are joined by a special guest now, uh, somebody who blogged this morning about six reasons to be optimistic about a Rishi Sunak premiership, which is not confirmed yet, but it is looking likely. Good morning, Fraser. Good morning. Tell us about why you're optimistic. You could give us like, your best two of the six. Yeah, maybe we don't need all six because we want to drive people to the website. Listeners, please go read the blog. If we're living in a time where calming the markets is at a premium, then we have gotten Rishi Sunak, somebody better able than any other member of this parliament or any other to understand those markets. His, you know, There aren't that many prime ministers out there who are going to have Bloomberg terminals on their desk, and he's going to be one of them. That makes me optimistic, because I think that Jeremy Hunt was in a flap with the markets. Liz Truss was in a flap with the markets. When they were in a panic, they would do more tax rises than would be necessary. We are risking having a deeper recession because their failure to understand the markets meant they would be making out their Roman gods who wanted sacrifices, so you do things that weren't necessary. I think Sunak has got the credibility to plot a more rational course. So rather than 1.4% of GDP tightening in the October Halloween statement, as we were expecting, I think A, there probably won't be a Halloween statement, and B, when one eventually comes, it will be milder than that. The other reason is that he is an incredibly competent manager. You can think that furlough scheme was a mistake. You can think that his eat out to help out was a mistake. But both of things were very technical and executed very well. We haven't had anything executed very well by British government for quite some time now. Everything from the Rwanda debacle to um, this, the non-existent um, pensioners um, bailout for care home scheme. So I think returning competence and market assurance is something which we need right now. I've got other reservations about Rishi Sunak, um, and God knows we're going to have probably plenty of time to go into them if he does get into number 10, probably not today, probably later on this week. But right now, 
when Britain has become a laughing stock and the butt of market angst about the world, I think we've probably got, we're probably going to get the least bad option and in many ways quite a good option today. James, to uh, Fraser's point about markets there, I'm always a little hesitant to come up with any conclusion based off a few hours worth of data, but guilt yields that the cost of government borrowing did start falling this morning off the news that it looks like Rishi Sunak is probably going to be the prime minister. Um, To the Rishi premium that Fraser essentially is speaking of, what do you make of this idea that actually because the markets may trust him with the economy most, they'll give him the most leeway, and perhaps, I mean, we are still probably looking down the barrel of tax rises and spending cuts, but perhaps they won't be as extreme. Yeah, so Simon French, the economist at Pamela Gordon, who also writes a business column for The Times, he calls this the dullness dividend. That if you basically tell the markets that you're going to deliver competent, stable government and they're not going to be um, kind of fireworks, then the cost of your borrowing drops. He estimates that's worth seven billion a year by the end of the forecast period. And so that would, a lot of money. that would make the, the, the black hole in the public finances seven billion pounds smaller, which is which is, you know, more than a penny on the basic rate of income tax. Yeah. So that 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 is clearly a benefit. I, I also think that there is a a sense here which is that um there is a lot of talk of Treasury orthodoxy and this and that. I, I, I think that one of the things about Richard Sunak is having you know, as Fraser said, having worked in the markets and having been Chancellor, I think that you 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 are you are more comfortable with you know with saying well I, that bit of the orthodoxy I don't agree with than well as I think other politicians feel that Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng came in and said we're going to rip the orthodoxy up without really thinking twice about it ripping the orthodoxy up you know you get rid it, of some it, good it, stuff it, as yeah. well as some you, you cause some problems you know, it didn't it didn't look, I think it's quite clear that the, the mini budget didn't work. And so, therefore, having someone who kind of, who I think can chart this middle course, I think it has benefits. Mm. You know, I'm not sure I would refer to a dullness dividend because one thing that isn't going to be happening in Britain over the next couple of years is anything dull. We are still going to be on a financial knife edge here. One will, the Rishi Sumak will have to navigate. But what we can perhaps see into is what in a, in a podcast a few days ago I referred to as the Muppets premium. That's the extra government pays in its guilts because its government are a bunch of Muppets. What we're witnessing in this country is an end to the Muppet show. Um, finita de comedia, and not a moment too soon. Uh, Katie, though, lastly, in terms of what's going to happen today, there is still a, a friendly, so far, battle playing out between Rishi Sunak and Penny Morton to, to get the top job. If Penny does get uh, 100-plus MPs to put her on the ballot, do you think she's going to want to take this to the membership? I think all the indications so far, effectively, that Penny Morton wants to fight on, and they think... And I think the only reason you do that, knowing that you won't have as many MPs as Rishi Sunak, um, you'd be scraping it, would be because you'd have a better chance at the membership. But let's see if she gets there. Fraser, James and Katie, thanks for joining me.